Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and thank you for the privilege of sitting down with you every morning. Sister Bev and I were laughing and talking the other day. For the rest of our lives, whenever we hear that song or sing that chorus, we will see the Psalms 91 words in our mind, and we will see those pictures of Galilee. Every morning as I look at those pictures, it seems like Israel trip was so long ago now. It just, wow, seems like such a long, long time ago. But it wasn't. It was just a short time ago. There's just been a lot of events that have happened in between. But some of you that have been to Israel, you keep thinking, well, where did, where is that? And where is that? And, oh, I recognize that. I have to remember when Brother Jong and I go out to do our tapings, we have to find a quiet place. Now, it used to be my favorite place was up on that mountain uh, called the Swiss Forest. You, there's a road that runs from one end of Tiberias all the way to the other end of Tiberias on top of the mountain, and it goes through what's called the Swiss Forest. It's a forest that was planted by the Swiss people. It's a beautiful view from up there. Unfortunately, guys like to ride their very, very loud dirt bikes up there. And so it's always interrupting the taping. So we found some beautiful, quiet places that nobody goes to right around the Sea of Galilee. Now, that one place you don't think you know, but you really do know. You know, the one that, where the water kind of, the, the land kind of just butts out like a big finger into the middle of the water. And you see a building off on the left-hand side. That's where we always eat our lunch. And then I take off and disappear while you guys go on to the next site. Brother Jong and I go over into that clearing next to it. And underneath the, the trees, that's where we do our taping. So this will begin to give you an idea of some of the areas we see. But as you can tell, I think I might even like Galilee more than Jerusalem. Not only did Jesus spend most of his life there, it is just so quiet and so peaceful. It is just and in February, all those hills you see that are green, if you go back in August, everything's brown. But in February we go, the hills are green. You go up to Mount Carmel, you go up to the Mount of Beatitudes, you see all these beautiful little red poppies all over the sides of the hills. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Now, one day I picked a bunch of those red poppies and brought them to Sister Bev as a, as a, as a little present. And um, one of our guides said, uh, Pastor, it's illegal to pick those poppies, so I won't do that anymore. <laughs> we do learn. Father, we come to you today. We humble our hearts before you. We bow our hearts before you and no one else. We come before you as our Father, as our God, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Healer, as our Redeemer. And we open wide our hearts to you, Lord. We hold nothing deep within our hearts. We hide no corners in our hearts, but we open our hearts to you. And Father, we come to say thank you that even as we face another two weeks of lockdown and even as Sabu faces enhanced, oh, Father, we know that your grace is sufficient for us. Oh, we know that your grace is sufficient for us. There's more grace than anything that can ever come against us. We know your hand of mercy rests upon our lives, that your hand of provision will be upon all of your people, that, Lord, you'll bless all the work of their hands. We know that even for another two weeks, Lord, you will sustain us and prosper us and bless us, that every business father, some of the businessmen there, they're running out of hope, Lord, but you are the God of eternal encouragement. I thank you. Reach within the hearts of those businessmen, Lord. 
Reach within the heart of those people who own restaurants and tourism. Reach within their hearts, Father, and be the God of eternal encouragement. Bring hope back into their hearts. Fill their hearts with all joy. Fill their hearts with peace. Oh, and let them overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray for the frontliners again today, Lord. We can never forget them. What they look at and what they see and what they do every day. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your hand of grace not only be upon them to keep their bodies strong, but let your hand of grace be upon them to keep their souls strong. They're seeing things that, especially the young ones, Lord, they should never have to see at this tender age. Lord, in the name of Jesus, don't let their hearts be hardened. Don't let their hearts be embittered. Don't let their hearts be changed. But, Father, instead, keep their hearts soft before you, soft and tender before you. And, Lord, as they lift their soul to you, restore their soul from all the pain and heartache that they have seen in, in the past days. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are sick in their body today. Lord, I thank you for healing those slipped discs in the name of Jesus. Father, cause all those muscles to relax. Cause all those bones to come back into proper place. All those nerves to be rightly aligned, Lord, and no more pain shooting through their bodies. I pray for those with heart problems, Lord. You are the strength of their heart. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let every artery, let every valve, let every vein that touches that heart, let them be wide open and clear. No leakage and no blockage in the name of Jesus. Let those heart muscles be strong. Father, for those that have had heart attacks in the past, they say that those muscles never regrow, but you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that restores to original condition. Let those muscles live in Jesus' name. Quicken them. Give life to them by the Holy Spirit. Let those heart muscles live again in Jesus' name. Father, for the lungs today, I pray for all of our members, tuberculosis, emphysema, all of these lung problems, bronchitis, pneumonia. Father, they get so worried about this COVID-19 thing. Lord, just let first the fear leave. And then, Father, let all those lungs be clear. Let every asthma victim, Father, let, those, let all those bronchial tubes just be flexible and let them open wide and let everything come out that's supposed to come out easily. Let them be able to breathe deeply right down to the bottom of their toes, Lord. Oh, I thank you. You are the God who gives breath. Breathe into them the breath of lives and let those lungs live and be strong in the name of Jesus. I thank you for all of your miracles. I thank you for all of your healing today, Father. Now, Lord, for every person who's working just to get by, every bit of food that's being cooked to be delivered, let there be buyers for every single package of food today. Every single thing they're selling, let there be buyers today, Father. Oh, and I thank you for abundance of food upon their tables for their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
I want to talk to two very special groups of people within the church right now. Um, we didn't think we need to be going for another two weeks, and so we were all prepared to crank up weddings and make sure that we got the funerals and things done to show proper respect to our families that have gone ahead of us to heaven. But now we've got two more weeks, and we don't know what's going to come after that. So please, let me just give you some thoughts. I'm not telling you what to do. That's not my place. My name's not Jesus. But he, let me just give you a few thoughts. For those of you getting wet, getting married, I don't know how long it's going to be before there can be a big wedding. Um, it may be next year. I mean, the way they're talking, they're not going to allow uh, lots of big social gatherings for a while yet. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and get married, number one, make sure that your wedding license is still valid. Now, some of you have been going in trying to get them renewed, and you found out that some little secretary looks at you and says, no, you have to start all over again. You have to go through all of the uh, classes again. You have to do everything all over again. Uh, don't, don't get mad at the little secretary who says that to you. She's just doing what she knows to do. Uh, what you need to do is find someone in the office who can make decisions and just say, listen, this is a very special set of circumstances with COVID-19. The government did not allow us to have our weddings. This is not our fault. Can we just get an, an updated marriage license? Now, maybe they'll charge you a small fee to redo the paperwork, but at least not have to go through all those classes and everything all over again. And some of you that work in city halls, you want to be a hero to a lot of people. I always teach the young pastors, there's two things you never mess up, and one of them is a wedding, okay? These are... These are historical times in people's lives, and you don't want to be a problem to people in these times. So if you work in a city hall, why don't you go and make some suggestions to some people who can make decisions? Listen, let's make it easy for the couples that need to redo their wedding uh, licenses. So let's just make it easy, come up with a small fee to cover the cost of the paperwork, but let's make it easy for everybody. And young people, what I would do is go ahead and get married. We can do a small ceremony in any of the campuses. And then later, when everything is done, then go ahead and do your big reception, and we do a big church blessing. And it will look just like a wedding, except you're already married. Okay, We do this for some of our Balak Bayans already. They get married overseas, and they come home, and they want to be with the family. Now, if you ever wonder what that popping is, that's my bug zapper. And sometimes I jump when it zaps. Secondly, are the funerals. It used to be when someone died, we waited for our relatives from overseas to come home. Well, I don't know when that's going to happen. Now, we've set up Wi-Fi capability in Serenity uh, so that you can broadcast this live to your relatives overseas. So you can put a Zoom together and we'll even help you do that. We've got Wi-Fi capability in Serenity. You can set up a Zoom and you can broadcast it to your relatives. And let's go ahead and move on with life, okay? Just you tell us how we can help you get this done. Not telling you what to do. You tell us what we can do to serve you to help get these things done. All right, Colleen's got Psalms chapter 91 for us today. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. 
A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, that it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Psalm 91. Amen. Well, we've digested the news that we're going to be in several more weeks of general quarantine. Morning devotions will continue. Evening services will continue. I am going to continue with the uh, First Corinthians series. This will just allow me to add another week of sermons in to help with the review, all right? Because when we get back together, I just want to launch into 1 Corinthians and park ourselves there. Fortress 91, we will be making some changes. Uh, we were notified yesterday that many of our cities and municipalities have lifted their curfews till 10 p.m. So what we will do is we'll sit down with the staff today and we'll say, all right, do we want to continue at 7 a.m. or do we want to start later on in the day and go to later in the evening so that our working people when they get off work can come by and have communion. Now during this time, it's very important. If, if, if it's convenient for you and you want to come by every day and have communion, that's wonderful. We are remembering what Jesus did for us. Amen. This isn't some just religious thing. We're remembering what Jesus did and we're proclaiming by our words and our actions what Jesus did. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. So Fortress 91, we may be running a little later and starting a little later, or we may just keep it at that time and just run a little bit later. All right, we've got a wonderful testimony for you now. Hello, COP. I'm Brother Bernard, an usher and connect group leader of COP Olongapo. I am Brother MJ of Media Ministry. I am Brother JR of Creative Ministry and a connect group leader. And I'm Sis Lizelle, also an usher and connect group leader. We as a whole family are ministry involved and are serving God. During this pandemic, nawalan po kami ng trabaho ng Mr. Ko. Nagsara po yung company nila at yung work ko naman ay nag-lockdown due to quarantine. So we try to look for another source of income. Two months passed and we are still not receiving any salary and our funds are getting low. So we keep on praying as a family until we receive an answer prayer. Habang nagbabrowse ako online, nakita ko pong isang friend ko from Tondo that she is doing good on her food business. And ang hingi ako ng favor kung maaari niya akong turuan sa preparation ng sauce ng baksilog at pumayag naman siya. Then came another favor from my former workmate that is providing online ordering and delivery services here in Olongapo, Subic, and Bataan. And that's how we come up with an idea of our food business, Liz Baxilog. And every member of the family is involved in helping each other in this business. And to continuously spread the word of God, we put verses on every cup that we serve to our customers. And because of this, God has been good to us. Amen. Never po kami nawala ng customers every day. Hindi kami na zero. We praise God for all of His goodness. 
He never leaves us empty in these hard times. And with this, we want to leave you with this simple verse from Psalm 5, verse 12. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a Kaya, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I sat down with all of our department heads yesterday on a Zoom call, and I'll sit down with all the pastors either today or tomorrow. And one of the things I'm challenging them is that we, we finish well. This, um, this corona thing has not been a sprint. It has been a marathon. And every good marathon runner knows you give it your best at the end. You don't run out of gas at the end. You give it your, your kick. You give it your best shot at the end. I want to challenge all of you. In these next few weeks, let's give it all we've got. Let's finish this thing well in Jesus' name. God wants you to have an abundance left over for every good work. God wants you to have the 12 basketfuls left over. This is not a time to slow down because you're tired and you're discouraged. This is a time by the grace of God, Lord, you are the strength of my life. Sometimes you just have to get up and tell yourself that. Lord, you are the strength of my life. And you just make a determination to go stronger in this last section. I think I'm saying that for somebody very specific this morning. All right, let's get into the Word of God today. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. At Caesarea, now that's that first place we go to when we get to Israel. At Caesarea, this is like the, the Roman port city, but it's like the military headquarters for that entire part of the world for Rome. Uh, it's where... Uh, the Roman government, their, their governors kept their palaces and their best troops were stationed there. This is where all of their uh, supply chain came in. This was a very vital part to the Romans. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. So he had command of 100 men of what was known as the Italian cohort. All right, now this is like the um, rangers. This is This is like the special forces. This is these are not slaves that have been conscripted into the military service and they, they do the dirty work. This is the Italian cohort. These are the elite men from Italy, the most trusted. A devout man who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Now you look at that and you go, what would a guy from Rome with all the debauchery and sin that he'd grown up with, why would he be like this? Well, many of the Romans and the Greeks, when they got around the Jewish people and they saw the strong family lives, the Shabbat dinners together every week, the stronger marriages, the, the holy lives, they wanted that. They'd seen all the sin and they'd seen what that brought. And so in every synagogue, you had a group of people who were Gentiles, they weren't proselytes yet, but they were Gentiles, and they were God-fearers. So when they talk about a devout man who feared God, but we're talking about one of these God-fearers, he would have gone to synagogue every Shabbat, who feared God with all his household, and gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So this was also a man of prayer. So he wasn't worshiping Zeus, he wasn't worshiping Diana, he wasn't worshiping Venus, he was worshiping and praying to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? 
Now, anybody who says they've seen an angel and they didn't back up, yeah, I'm not sure they really saw an angel. And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, you just, you just need to get a hold of that. Your prayers and your alms, your prayers and your giving have ascended as a memorial to God. Now, brothers and sisters, you just need to wrap your brain around that for a minute. You know, all of these offerings that you've brought to God all through these years, you know, all of these prayers that you have prayed every day in your devotions all of these years, they ascend as a memorial before God. Memorial, memory. These are things that always cause God to think about you. You know, what is a memorial for? To remind you of something. Your prayers and your giving have always reminded God of you. They're always coming up as a memorial, focusing God's attention on you. Now, now sometimes, please, we, you know, we came up poor, all right? And sometimes we think about our offerings and things, and they were so small, and, you know, we remember the days that we gave 10 pesos a week, and that was a lot. But we prayed. Every one of those little 10 peso offerings or 5 peso offerings and those prayers, they combine together before God as a memorial to always focus his attention upon you. You you just need to get a hold of that and understand what you are doing is significant. What you are doing, your your sowing and your prayer is not useless. You, You just need to get a hold of that and just meditate on it all day long. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel had spoken to him and departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier. So one of the men under his command evidently went to synagogue with him. He was also devout. Now, you, know, you need to learn a lesson about leadership here. You, you, don't, you don't send unqualified men to do something. You, you don't send some soldier who has no respect for the Jewish people and no respect for God to go do something spiritual. You know, you choose the right person for the right task. And some of you businessmen need to get a hold of that principle, the the right person for the right task. A devout soldier, not some guy who's going to go down and rough anybody up, a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now notice, he, he made sure he communicated why, the purpose. Hey, we're not going to arrest somebody. I've had this vision. An angel spoke to me, and the angel said to call for this man. So listen, I, I want you're devout. You, you go to synagogue with me. You understand these things of God. I want you to go down, but I want you to understand how to act. So let me explain the situation to you so you know how to act. Now, this is just good, good leadership. Verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending and being let down by its four corners on the earth. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up before him. Now I want you to notice something that's happening. 
God is preparing a leadership connection for Cornelius. Now, when God wanted to speak to Cornelius and God wanted him to hear the gospel, there needs to be a leadership connection. There needs to be somebody who is sent to preach to them. But in order for somebody to preach to them, God has to work on his education too. So, all right, God shows Cornelius a leadership connection that will be prepared by God. Then God begins to prepare the leader. It has to get the bigotry out of his heart. Now, now please, Peter has learned a lot with Jesus. He's learned not to despise the Samaritans and things, but, but now he's having to have his education even more stretched. Now, here's an important principle. Peter had been trained by the best of the best of the best. Peter had been trained by Jesus. Doesn't get any better than that. But notice his education is still lacking. Jesus said, I've got a lot more things to teach you, but you can't bear them right now. You're not going to get them if I teach them to you right now. He says, now listen, there's going to be more education, and the Holy Spirit's going to teach you things. And now the Holy Spirit begins to teach him things. So understand, a leader's education is never done. (laughs) Well, you know, you were trained by Jesus. There's nothing more anybody can teach you. Well, a leader's education is never done. Verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, yeah, yeah, you've just been told everything you thought your whole life, everything you were taught by the rabbi in synagogue your whole life is wrong. (laughs) Yeah, he's perplexed. Behold the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, now notice, How many times have you heard me teach when we think the Spirit speaks? The Spirit does not speak to a thoughtless man, to a man who is not trying to understand, to a man who is not pondering, to a man who is not thinking, just like Joseph. The Spirit speaks to thinking people. The Spirit does not speak to people who don't care enough to think. You can meditate on that one all day. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit spoke to him. Arise, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Now notice, not just rise and go down, not just accompany them, accompany them without hesitation. I don't want you to show any hesitation. I don't want you to make these people feel uncomfortable in any way. You go with a big, wide open heart. No hesitation. Now, now, this is important. Just like these devout soldiers had to be prepared to come and get Peter, and okay, this is, this is different, that you're not arresting somebody here now. Peter had to be prepared by God to show no bigotry, to show no hesitation. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're, for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the Jewish people. Now notice, these guys are trying to get acquainted with each other. Okay, Normally, the, the Roman soldiers and the Jews did not mix. Okay, It was a very tense, tense, tense relationship. Please, beyond a tense relationship. Not Cold War, sometimes Hot War. All right, So they're, they're both being very gentle with each other. The Holy Spirit's working on one. Cornelius is working on his men. You, you hear Peter speaking very respectfully. 
what is the reason for your coming? I'm the one you're looking for. Uh, listen, guys. Th this boss of ours, Cornelius, he's an upright man. He's God-fearing. And hey, listen, he's well-spoken about the Jewish nation. Right, so th this isn't politics. This isn't sip-sip. This is two very... This is a polarized tribal environment trying to come together. Who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, who was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house, to hear what you have to say. Hey, the, the angel didn't preach the gospel to our boss. He's supposed to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guests. Now, can you imagine? Here is a Jew inviting Gentile military men into their home as their guest. Okay, tribalism, prejudice, polarized relationships are breaking down. Beautiful thing when you eat with each other. The next day he arose and went away with them to Joppa. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So notice, Peter didn't go alone. Some of the other born-again brothers went with him. Now we'll pick up there tomorrow. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
the kids. Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter thirteen, beginning with verse one. Now, it's always important that we pause as we read and remember: Are we talking about the northern ten tribes, which would be up around Samaria, Galilee, uh, up around Tel Dan and that area, or are we talking about the southern tribes, which would be Benjamin and Judah? Okay, Judah is actually Benjamin and Judah, the two tribes and the ten tribes. So it's always important to remember to keep these two separate. Chapter 13, verse 1. In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Ahazah, king of Judah, now that's the two southern tribes, Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel, that's the ten northern tribes, in Samaria, and he reigned 17 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them. Now, repetitively through kings, you keep hearing he followed the ways of King David or he followed the ways of his fathers into sin. There's no generational curse, but there are cultural sins. And it's amazing how we let them linger in families. And we see incredible blessings that flow to a family when a new generation comes up and says, you know what, I know that's what my parents did, but that's not what I'm going to do. We don't hate our parents, we honor our mother and father all the days of our life, but we just don't do the things that our parents did. Now, Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned 17 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them continually into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael. So there was a continual loss, not not a once in a while loss. There was a continual loss militarily. There's a continual loss of land. There's a continual defeat. It's what I call the downward spiral that begins to happen. Then Jehoaz sought the favor of the Lord, and the Lord listened to him. Now, Now, finally, a man says, okay, enough suffering, enough pain. We've got to change our life. So he sought the favor of the Lord, and the Lord listened to him. Now, why did God listen to him? Because he was some super righteous man? No, for he saw the oppression of Israel and how the king of Assyria oppressed them. Therefore, the Lord gave Israel a savior so that they escaped from the hand of the Syrians and the people of Israel lived in their homes as formerly. So now they can live in homes again and not hide in caves. So a lot changed here. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin, but walked in them, and made the Asherah also remained in Samaria. So they continued worshiping the golden calves, and they continued with these Asherah poles. For there was not left to Jehoaz an army of more than 50 horsemen, and 10 chariots, and 10,000 footmen. For the king of Assyria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at the threshing, now the rest of the acts of Jehoaz and all that he did and all his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria, and Joash his son reigned in his place. Now, in my Bible, I make a little question mark, and they gave Israel a savior. Who saved them? It wasn't Jehoaz. He almost had no military. They'd been destroyed by all these long-term conflicts. So I put a little question mark in my Bible. Who is the Savior? Who is it? And we may find that answer in later reading. Verse 10. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, now we're dealing with the two southern tribes, 
Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, began to reign over Israel, that's the ten tribes, in Samaria. And he reigned sixteen years. He also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made Israel to sin, and he walked in them. So he not only lived them, he, he walked to walk in means to live in, he led the people to live in them. So again, the generational, cultural, sinful lifestyle continues. Very hard to change culture. It takes a very strong leader to stand up and say something that is such a part of our culture is wrong. See, at some point as Christians, you've got to understand, we confront culture. We do not engage the culture. We confront the culture, and this whole engage the culture movement, all it does is, is perpetuate the sins of the previous generations. We have to confront the culture and choose to live a different life. Now, now young people, please, I've said it once, let me say it again today. You have to make a decision. I will love my mom and dad. I will honor my mom and dad. I will love my grandparents. I will love my uncles and aunts, but I'm not going to live like them. I'm not going to live like them. There are cultural sins that are passed down in the family that we just come to accept. They're part of who we are as a family. We just have to make a decision. No, I will not walk in them and I will not pass them on to the next generation. Verse 12, now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did and the might with which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Joash slept with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat on his throne. And Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Now that's the kings of the ten tribes. Verse 14, now when Elijah had fallen sick of an illness of which he was to die. Okay, now you got to deal with something. Here is an incredible man of God who raises the dead. Remember? Who raises the dead. And he has fallen sick with an illness of which he was to die. Now, does that change what I believe about healing? No. Does that change what I believe about redemption? No. But I also recognize that here is an incredible man of God who had fallen sick with an illness of which he was to die. And please don't tell me that Elisha did not have faith. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I had a, a young pastor ask me not too long ago on a Zoom call, and he, he was saying, you know, should we listen to pastors if, if they're sick and, and, and they can't even get their own healing? Uh, should we listen to them? Well, would you listen to Elisha? Now, now please, at some point, you've got to get a little realism in here, okay? At some point, you've got to get your feet on the ground and quit living in the la-la land. Here is Elijah, a man of great faith, who had fallen sick of an illness of which he was to die. And I would challenge you to prove to me that Elisha did not have faith. Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him. Now, this is the king of the ten tribes, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. In other words, uh, it's about time for you to leave. Just like Elijah had told the story, Elisha had told the story about the chariots of fire coming and separated him from Elijah before the departure. I mean, when he says the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, Joash, the king of Israel, the king of the ten tribes, is saying, It's time for you to die. And he's weeping. Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. 
So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elijah laid his hands on the king's hands. Now something, something spiritual is happening now. An anointing is being transferred. You, you have to get a hold of this. An anointing is being transferred. It was not there before. Oh, get a hold of this, brothers and sisters. Hands are being laid upon him to do war. There's an anointing, there's an ability coming into his life that was not there before. He laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians and Aphek until you have made an end to them. All right, now here is the revealed will of God. You are to put an end to the Syrians forever. No, I mean, these people had plagued Israel forever. These people had killed the people of Israel forever. He said, now it's time for this to finally be over once and for all. Taposna. All right, and these arrows are the symbol of this. So the king knew what's going on. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him, because these arrows symbolize victory. And the king knew that. He said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Understand, there are things that are done in the spirit realm that affect the physical realm. This was a spiritual action being taken. And what was happening in the spirit realm was going to affect what happened in the physical realm. This, this act of faith, this demonstration of faith. So Elisha died. That's his last act. And they buried him. Now the bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood to his feet. Okay, one more miracle in death. And now he has twice the miracles of Elisha. Ah, so I make a little note in my Bible. Now, two times the anointing. This is what he prayed for, was a double portion. And now we see with this dead person raised as they touched his bones, now we have the fulfillment of that. Now Hazael, a king of Assyria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoaz. But the king was gracious, but the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them, and he turned toward them. Now this is your God. Even when we're idiots, he has compassion on us, and he turns toward us, and he's gracious to us. He was, had compassion on them and gracious and turned to them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, nor has he cast them from his presence now. Now, yes, I know people can backslide and turn away from God. Please, I understand that. But you've always heard me say it's a lot harder than you think, and one of it is covenant. God remembers the new covenant, the new covenant in Jesus' blood. It's a lot harder to get away from God than you think. And, and sometimes, 
sometimes Christians are total idiots, okay? And, and they're so arrogant, and they're so stupid, and they're so full of themselves, and they're so full of sin. And still God is gracious and compassionate and turns to them. Still God is good to them because of his covenant. And remember, the goodness of God, goodness of God leads us to repentance. When Hazal, king of Assyria, died, Ben-Hadad, his son, became king in his place. Then Jehoash, the son of Jehoaz, took him from Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, the cities in which he had taken from Jehoaz, his father, in war. Three times Joash defeated him and recovered the city of Israel. So, okay, there's the fulfillment of the three times. So I circle three times, and I make a little note in the side of my Bible. It was going to be three times, verse 19, and there is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Chapter 14, verse 1. In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, the king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. There's, there's too many Joashes around here. That's why you have to keep it separate, all right? So the second year of Joash, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah. So ten tribe, two tribes, okay? <laughs> Between the Jeroboams and the Joashes, you could get confused. You've got to keep it separate. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehonadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not like David his father. He did all the things as Joash's father had done. Okay, so he was doing right, but the high places were not removed, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. And as soon as the royal power was firmly in his hand, he struck down his servants who had struck down the king, his father. But he did not put to death the children of the murderers, according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses, where the Lord commanded, fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. But each one shall die for his own sin. Now let's back up a little bit here and recognize something. Joash did pretty good, but not with the whole heart like King David did. He left these high places. He left these demonic altars. So he could have done more. So understand, sometimes, brothers and sisters, you're doing good, but you can do a little bit more. Ah, you remember the teaching from Pastor Dag. You've done good, but now you can do a little bit more. And also notice a great principle here. Never penalize children for their parents, okay? Never penalize children for their parents. You know, sometimes sometimes parents do some of the craziest things, and, and they do horrible things. Don't, if you're a businessman, don't penalize that person's children. You see them 20 years later, and you remember what their father did. Don't penalize the children because of, of their parents. Don't ever do that. Verse 7. He struck down 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by storm and called it Jatil which its name is to this day. All right, so this king who's mostly serving God is having some victories and doing well. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, king, son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us look one another in the face. And Jehoash, king of Israel, sent word to Amaziah, king of Judah. Um, a thistle of Lebanon sent to a cedar of Lebanon, saying, 
Give me your daughter to my son for a wife. And the wild beasts of Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed struck down Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Be content with your glory and stay home. But why should you provoke trouble so that you should fall and Judah with you? Now notice, he's mostly serving God. He's had a great victory. But then pride came in. Pride always comes before a fall, Proverbs says. Verse 11, but Amaziah would not listen. So Jehoash, king of Israel, went up. He and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another in battle at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his home. And Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, son of Amaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem for 400 cubits, took down a whole section of their wall. And he seized all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures, treasuries of the king's house, and also hostages, and he returned to Samaria. Now notice, look at what pride cost. Cost their future protection, a huge section of the wall was broken down cost their prosperity, all this gold and silver is taken away, cost relationships, hostages were taken probably from the royal family, all because of pride. Now, I think it was Charlton Heston or one of those famous actors uh, in this famous movie called Dirty Harry, I watched it as a kid, he said, a man must know his limitations. Now, Amaziah did not know his limitations. Sometimes you have a little victory, and you're a little successful, and you get full of yourself when you need to be full of wisdom. Never get full of yourself. Get full of wisdom. There's a good quote for you to remember today. Never get full of yourself. Get full of wisdom. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoash that he did in his might and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash slept with his fathers, and he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. Now here comes another Jeroboam. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoaz, king of Israel. Now notice, uh, Amaziah was never great after this. See, sometimes you can get full of yourself rather than full of wisdom, and that brings a great limitation to your future. Meditate on that one for a while today. You get full of yourself and not full of wisdom, and that puts a great limitation on your future. So he outlived the king of Israel, but he never got his mojo back. He never got his, yeah, his mojo. That's what the young people say, got his mojo back. Now the rest of the deeds of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, just like his daddy. And he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and put him to death there. So, you know, people were still mad at him because of what he'd done. They'd lost their relatives to hostages. They'd lost their wealth. I mean, the people's lives suffered because of his arrogance. And they didn't forget it. So one day they killed him. And they brought him on horses, and he was buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he built Eleth and restored it to Judah, and the, after the king slept with his fathers. Chapter, or verse 23. 
In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. So, you know, this culture of sin that Jeroboam started, look at how many generations it continued. It's, it's not a generational curse. It's a cultural sin that has been woven into the culture of the people and into the cultures of the leaders' families. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arava, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amatai, the prophet, who was from Gath Hether. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and there was none left bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had, had not the Lord said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them from the hand of Jeroboam. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So God used the man, even though the guy was reprobate. You know, God can use a jackass. God can use a sinful man. Okay. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did and all his might, how he fought and how he restored Damascus and Hamath to Judah and Israel, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Jeroboam slept with his fathers, the kings of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. All right. We'll see you tonight. I think I've gone over. Yes, I've gone a couple of minutes over. We'll see you tonight. And seniors, next Monday, we start our new seniors special show. Just like we have morning devotions and we have the evening service and we have the kids program. We have a special program coming just for the seniors so that you don't feel left out. I know you're left at home, but we wanted to do something just for you. So that starts next Monday.